Daryl. Daryl. How are you doing? The question is, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing great under the circumstances. Yeah? I'm tired. I'm not really stressed, but I'm, I am tired. Tell me more. Um, like I said, right, I'm not really stressed out. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired. I just feel like, I feel like I'm done with my time already, you know. I feel like, you know what I mean? But I am guilty for my time is up, you know what I mean? Mm. Say the last part again. I didn't quite hear it. I said I feel like what I am guilty for. Yeah. I already did my time for it. Right. You know what I mean? I've been in here since I think January 16th, 2017. And it's, it'll be five years this January and like my time is up. Already done. So I think it's now weighing on me because it's like, you know, I'm still waiting to go to trial for something, you know what I mean? That I'm not guilty for. And it's like they're just holding me up, you know what I mean? I was prepared to go to trial since I came to jail and they've been like not ready and then the pandemic came and I stopped everything else for another year and now it's going on a year and a half now since the pandemic, like, stopped everything, and it's like, I'm just ready to go. I'm just tired of being here. Yeah. It's it's unnecessarily prolonged, but, you know, before we get into that a little bit more, hi, I haven't talked to you in forever. I know. It's good hearing your voice. And the position that I'm in, I, um... I tell people sometimes it feels like you're dead, but you're still able to see. So I imagine, like, you know, someone being in their grave, right? But they're mm-hmm. able to see everyone that they love and everybody they've dealt with and their, their colleagues and, you know, associates living their lives, living their lives. And they're able to live their life without you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're just seeing everybody's life going. And it's so weird because you'll see friends and associates that didn't like people that you didn't like or didn't deal with them and now they deal with them or you'll see things that you used to do with people they do with new people now you know so what I what I was explaining to somebody recently was that I don't know if like if love really exists or People think that they love people because they're used to them. Huh. I think people become a habit. Like it's a habit of me seeing you every day or it's a habit of me hanging with you every day, so you're a habit. So once the habit is broken, they create new habits. I feel like that's how a lot of relationships actually are. I don't think the, the true feeling of love actually exists all the time. Maybe it does exist, but... Mm-hmm. For most people, I feel like relationships are just habits. It's the habit of knowing you're waking up next to somebody every day or the habit of knowing you hang out with them every day or play video games or basketball or whatever it might be until you find someone to break that habit, you know? 
or your absence will break the habit. Yeah, yeah, the absence breaks the habit. So it's like, that's how I look at it now. It's like, because just like I said, it's, it's kind of weird being alive but mm. not being able to move. Yeah. So it feels like I'm in a casket, but I'm still able to watch everybody live their life while I'm sitting here. And, like, the more and more I educate myself just on just on prison and everything going on, like, you know, I just read an entire article on, I'm on Rikers Island, and mm. it was named after Richard Riker, who was a judge who, like, who loved the 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 Freedom Slave Act, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, he literally, like, would snatch up free slaves and hold them on Rikers Island with no charges or nothing. Oh. And it seems like it's a reoccurring thing from back then because it's like there's people who sit here, for instance, the pandemic, there's people who mm-hmm. sat through the entire pandemic without ever going to court, without ever getting a conversation with the judge to see if they could be released. And it's law that they keep you in. Like, you know, the Constitution yep. says that, you know, um, speedy trial, and trial is supposed to take place through any form of war or peace. But it's like the pandemic hit and it paused everything on earth, and you see dudes sitting here that don't have, you know, serious charges, or even people with serious charges, they still have the right to see a judge and see if they could be released or not, or get a bail or anything, and you just was held here. And reading that article just really woke me up on it. Do you feel like people have betrayed you because they've uh, gone on with their life? Be nah, no, it's, nah. it's Daryl. No, I feel I feel certain people. I feel certain people have betrayed have betrayed um betrayed my trust on certain levels because if, for instance, if me and you are sitting here and we say, you know, um. Um, I don't know, um, what? I hate swimming, and we both hate swimming, and mm-hmm. then you see that they're a swimming champion now, two years later, you're kind of confused. So it's like, I feel like my intelligence is betrayed because I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if anyone was telling the truth about anything in certain capacities. I don't really feel betrayed by, by, by people, like, since I've been in here. I understand when you're, when you're away, you know what I mean? I don't want nobody live life to stop. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to enjoy yourself. You're supposed to live your life. Like you never know when you're gonna go. You know what I mean? But it's just weird when you see people that, like for instance, I helped somebody like a lot in okay. their life, like with rent, all kinds of stuff. Where they was like, you know, in a bad position. And then recently, I had reached out to the person because I didn't speak to them in a long time and. On Rikers Island, when the call first goes through, it's a computer talking, but you can actually hear what's going on on the other side of the phone. Okay. And I heard that person say, what the fuck does this motherfucker want? (gasps) And it bugged me out because Mm. I've never wanted anything. Not in the street, not since I've been in here. I've never called and, like, needed something. I was calling for conversation. You know what I mean? What's Mm. going on? How's everything? So that kind of hurt my feelings and was like, damn, because I never even had an argument with this person. Nothing. I just didn't understand what that was about. So and when you, they, they hung the you, phone up. But you didn't even have an opportunity to speak to them? No, they hung the phone up. 
and then I had my brother. I called my brother and I told my brother, yo, text this person for me. And I said, yo, tell them that I heard what they said when I called. And I didn't know that we had a problem or had beef. I would have never called. Mm-hmm. So when I said that, they were like, I guess, like flabbergasted that I heard them. And they tried to switch it up and say, no, I was in a business meeting and this, that, and the third, and da, 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 but I knew it was bullshit because it just didn't warrant that type of response. It didn't warrant that type of tone. It yep. was a tone of malice, like, I don't fuck with this person. Why are they calling me? You know what I mean? Right. And I just never knew. Just like I said, I've never been in an argument with them. I've never had beef with them. This person has actually had beef with people that I was cool with, and I still hung with them. I still had them around me because I felt like, you know, they was a decent person. So that just made me like have to like try to like reevaluate everything that was that was said or that was done on trying to figure out like, yo, where did you see wrong in this person? Like, how didn't you peek that this person, something was wrong with this person? Because if y'all never had an argument, y'all never had no beef whatsoever, I've spoken to them since I've been in here, mm-hmm. but I didn't I never knew that that was the response that I would get off calling them. You would think I was calling, begging for money or, you know, I don't know, companionship, whatever it might be. But it was like I just didn't understand why my phone call warranted that that type of response. So maybe in this particular situation you're personalizing it, and of course you would because of his response. But it really had nothing to do with who you are or how it is that you interact with them. And I think that's difficult for people to tease apart, right? Did I do something to warrant that? Or maybe that's just their own personal shit where he is. Maybe he's feeling guilty because you have looked out for him. We don't know. We don't know what's in his head. But the most important piece is that you're walking away with a sense of self-doubt, betrayal, and now you're, you're saying that you don't believe in love or you don't understand it. Yeah, it definitely caused, like, a mass amount of confusion. I'm still confused to this day. Like, I don't have the answers, you know what I mean, about that. And that's one of the things that, that bothered me since I've been in jail, you know what I mean? Like, just like I said, everybody else is like, I kind of knew who they were, so I'm not mm-hmm. shocked by certain people's actions, you know what I mean? But, but that this one. person, it bothered yeah. me. It was like, wow, like, that was crazy, like. Well, are you, are you, are you thinking that when you are back in the community that you're not going to be able to trust or love anyone? Um, no, be honest. I'm not that kind of person. Okay. What I'm, I never really trusted people anyway. I, I trust people to actually be people. I trust people to be human. I trust that they will make a mistake. Mm-hmm. So... I don't knock people when they make mistakes or when they do something that might be out of the norm of what I deem correct because we all got our own principles, moral codes, and ethics. So one thing I do understand is that just because you'll do something a certain way or handle something a certain way, everybody's not going to handle it or do something that certain way. So I don't hold too much against people when it comes to that. Okay. You know? How can I help you? to get through this period of feeling stuck and everyone else is moving around you and living because it might not feel like you're living, but you are. Oh, no. See, that's the thing. What? I'm not, I don't feel like I'm not living because my brain still works at a high capacity. So, <laughs> Good. 
I, I feel that I'm still living. I'm just not physically moving. You know, so I still handle everything I gotta handle. I get everything done that I have to get done, and I know that I'm. I know that I'm living. I know that I'm alive just through the people that I deal with, just off the people that I help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Off the businesses we run in, and I know that I'm still alive and I'm still needed. It's just when you're not physically you able to do certain things that you would never ask people to do for you in the in the first place, it bothers you because sometimes things don't get done in a timely fashion when you want them done, and you can't knock people because people have other things going on in their life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like um like I'm actually dead. I feel very well and alive. It's just that the physical aspect of it is the burden. And so you're not able to go outside and take fresh air or, I mean, yeah, you're confined. Well, you actually can get a little fresh air. We're by the dirtiest water in New York, you know what I mean? It doesn't doesn't smell great, but still. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're able to get here, but I hardly go out. I don't like fraternizing with too much people in here. You know what I mean? And I was the same way, you know, when I was home. So I don't right, try right, to fraternize right. with too much people. Thank I don't want to share my energy. Securus. Goodbye. Hi. So we were just talking about the wonderful smelling air. Yeah, the wonderful smelling air of, of Rikers Island, of the mm. old slave plantation. Oh, my Richard God. Richard Riker, the first recorder of New York County and the first, I think, district attorney of New York County who would hold slaves hostage here, even if they was free. Right, because we had no one to advocate for us. We had no voice, and we were seen as subhuman. Yeah, exactly. So I want you to try this, because you're right. You don't want to interact with many of the other inmates, and the air is not so fresh but you need, do need to take sun, so get out and get some vitamin D once in a while. But because your mind is so active and you know that you are not dead, you need to start tapping into your imagination. And I say that because you can do exercises to put you in a different pleasant place. For real. Would you, would you try to do that? Yeah, yeah. Listen, you know when it comes to progression, whatever it has to do with helping me off, moving forward, I'm always with it, you know. I find that the, I, I get the most creative when I'm in this situation. Mm. Specifically when I go to the box and I have no contact with nobody, you're forced to use your imagination because there's no there's no other influences. Those There's no people talking to you. There's no people really bothering you. You're just isolated by yourself. And that's when I really come up with great ideas and stuff like that. So well, I definitely would like to do that you know that that demonstrates to me that you well I've always believed this have always been a warrior but you really are because a lot of people there will go mad in those kinds of situations they don't have the strength of mind to be able to keep themselves in a positive you know perspective some people in the box go crazy yeah yeah they do and it's it's sad because I actually haven't realized how serious mental health was until I got here. Mm. And it's, it's like beyond serious, you know. 
one my, a friend of mine, Charlemagne, like he always speaks on it, and and I thought that he was like over exaggerating. I would be like, oh, here he go again to my mental health. And now that I, I've I've seen I've seen people actually lose their mind here. I've seen people commit suicide. You know what mm. I mean? After they was just cool the next day, making birthday cards, and then the next day he kills himself. I realize how serious mental health is, and I realize how much we need it, like, and everybody. And that was the reason that I wanted to speak to you, too, because I actually put in to speak to mental health, not because I was stressed out or anything, but because I needed somebody to talk to, and I don't like talking to these people in here. Mm. And it's like it's so hard to see them if they don't see you. Um, throwing piss on the walls or, or throwing um, feces at somebody, they won't pay you no mind. Right, so you have to be extreme in your behavior in order to be given a resource. Exactly. Um, so I want to touch upon Charlemagne and mental health in general with specifically the black population in a second, but for now I want you to, to, to do this exercise with me. Um, okay. Do you remember the last time you were in a park or your feet touched grass? Yes. Okay. I want you to imagine yourself, and you don't have to close your eyes to do this, but imagine yourself being barefoot in a patch of grass. Feel the grass beneath your feet, between your toes. You know how it's a little prickly, right? And see the green and smell the freshly cut grass. You know what that smells like, right? How sharp it is. And then remind yourself that you are connected to the earth beneath you. You are one with it. You're not enclosed in a cement block with people loud, and carrying on around you. You're in your own serene patch of grass with the sun shimmering above you and the leaves on the trees blowing and the smell, because it's very sensory-oriented. Smell the grass. And that can be your place for escape. You're going to that place where no one else is permitted, and it's just you and nature. I could actually smell the grass right now. I hope it's not the Stinkrikers Island grass. No, it's not the Stinkrikers Island grass. You're in Prospect Park. Okay. You're in Prospect Park. Jerk chicken barrel grills. <laughs> but you can't smell that. You're just smelling the grass. <laughs> I actually That's... love the smell of, of fresh grass being cut, so... Okay, so actually, like, it definitely brought my brain back to a great place. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to take ourselves, you're going to stick a pin in that that space. And now we're going to go to a place on the bank of a stream, right? It can even be in Honduras. They have lots of streams there. And you're going to sit by on the bank of the stream, barefoot, and there's lots of trees and branches overhanging the stream. It's, it's small, it's narrow, 
but it does make a small bubbling noise as the stream is going by you. And when you're feeling overwhelmed, like there are too many thoughts and words in your head, you're going to take out those words and you're going to place them on a leaf that goes down the stream. There are lots of these. So every thought that feels like it weighs you down and burdensome, you're going to put it on the leaf and you're going to let it go. And you're not going to smell fresh cut grass. It smells a little more dank and um, earth-like because by the, the stream, there's lots of, you know, mud. Are there any flowers bothering me? <laughs> No, because I got rid of them. I, you're sprayed down <laughs> okay. with bug spray. A, a gnat or two, a gnat or two, but you're ignoring them because you're feeling so peaceful and calm and you're breathing. Your breathing is so easy and slow. And what you're doing is you're taking deep breaths in first with your stomach and then the diaphragm. People take it in from their chest first. No lower abdomen, and then the chest, and then let it out. Release it. Another burdensome thought based on a leaf goes down the stream. I've learned that the breathing exercises actually help me a lot. Yeah? Tom, I get frustrated. I'll go in my cell and I'll just well, I imagine you get frustrated easily. Anyone would under those circumstances. But I also remember the taxi ride with the driver who you thought was taking you literally for a ride and how you started to get agitated, right? Well, in here, I would probably actually die if I got frustrated too easily. Because there's a million things to get frustrated by. So I'm actually learned to ignore most of the things that go on around me and mm-hmm. just focus on myself. Because you can get pulled into the cesspool of here very easily. Tell me some of the techniques you're using to keep your anxiety or agitation at bay. Well, a lot of the things is like I remember something that I've done. Mm-hmm. that I might have deemed good or great. And I, I think about what a lot of people in here are going through. You know, a lot of people that are in jail right now, they actually want to better themselves. And it's sad that they don't have any resources to actually better themselves because of the laws that's created to just keep us down. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you know, the the, the ideology and the, the, the narrative, the the persona of what jail is, like the harsh criminals and, you know, a lot of these dudes really are not that. Like a lot of them are like people who actually want to do better but never had the chance to do better. And that one time that they did bad when they was a kid has actually kept their life messed up forever because they can't actually get a job in the field that they actually want to work in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something that they actually love because the laws state that if you have a felony that this Fortune 500 company does not have to hire you. So when I see certain things like that, the way people don't know what they're going to be able to do when they go home, opposed to me knowing 
that I have many plans that I'm going to execute when I get back into civilization. I just got to realize that you got something to live for and you got something to do where a lot of people feel like they're here, that they want to die all day. They act like they want to die. They act like they want to kill people. And a lot of it goes on because of the stress of not having their life together. A lot of the people are homeless in here, you know, and what I've realized and what I've been analyzing since I've been in here is that a lot of times that brings violence, a person not knowing that a person knowing that they don't have anywhere to be that's comfortable. Yeah. So I've been watching like the news cause I'm a real news junkie. I love the news and I've watched all these different groups of hate crimes that's been happening in New York from the, the Jewish hate to the, the Catholic church hate to the, the Asian hate, and I'm watching mm-hmm. all of it happen, and what I'm realizing is that it's a whole bunch of homeless people that's doing it. It's not necessarily that these are people that hate people. These are people with mental disorders, and they see something on the news, and they just run with it, and it has yeah. to be that because it's like it happens for a couple months, it fades out, something happens to a new person, it happens to a new group, and in the same routine, it's homeless people attacking people, and it's not because they bad people, it's because these people have mental disorders, they have nowhere comfortable to go, nowhere comfortable to live, don't know where the next meal is coming from, and they're just doing things without reasoning, without motive. Yeah, and because it's racialized trauma and trauma in general, that's what causes most mental illness, and that's what is not addressed. All those people that you're talking about, that you're observing, seeing that you have a life of abundance, right? When you are back in the community, you're good. Those people that think that they are not good, they're wrong. They're wrong. They just don't have people in their lives to advocate for them. And that's because most black people approach life with a crab in a barrel mentality. When you have information, you have resources, you do not share them. That is problematic. That is why we are not a strong community. If I know something, I'm going to put you on. Why? Because you're my brethren. And we don't do that enough. And because it's not really giving you power to give that knowledge up. It's not, it's not giving you power to hold it and to not give it away. Like empowering people will help you. A lot of times, I never forget, you know, when I first started Bobby Schmurder and Rowdy Rebel, Mm-hmm. Rappers who just came home from jail. Mm-hmm. I would post them on my my Twitter, mm-hmm. like advocate for them and post them. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I never did a deal with these dudes where it was like if I do promotion for y'all, I want money or anything like that. I was promoting them because I felt like they were some kids that had talent that was from the same place I was. And a radio personality by the name of Ebro said one time, "Yeah, you help Bobby and them pop on the internet, and they ain't give you a dime." And I said, see, that's what's wrong yeah. with people, is that you can't help somebody do something without requesting a fee. You have right. one minute left. I did that because I seen those kids had talent, and I knew that I had a stage where a lot of music execs and A&Rs followed me. So I said, if I help post these kids' videos on my, on my feed, they might get recognized. And that's what I did. And I didn't do it because I was looking for a payday. I did it because I just wanted to help some kids that was in the hood that looked like they needed some help. Right. So what Ebro did is he's coming from a place of quid pro quo, something for something. And it doesn't need to be about that. 
it, it never should be about that. Yep. Because when we take care of each other, we make our community better and stronger, and then there's no stopping us. But greed, selfishness, and that scarcity mentality, it keeps us from sharing and doing the things that we are fully capable of doing. Are you there? Yeah, yeah I'm there. Some, some dude that we used to talk about mental Thank health. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Hello? Yeah, so we were talking about sharing resources and how that's frowned upon by many because of their financial greed. Yeah, and it's like it's a burden. Like it's it's even like offices here, like they've been overworking all the COs on Rikers Island where they've been having to do triple shifts and stuff like that. Some of these dudes got degrees in all kinds of different categories that have nothing to do with criminal justice, but they can't get into their field because there's no people that look like us there to say, yo, let me look out for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that's when we create our own. I've got to tell you, and I tell this to a lot of people, we are the survivors of the transatlantic passage. We are the progeny of the smartest and the strongest from Africa. We can do anything. Just because someone doesn't like the way that you look or doesn't accept it doesn't mean that the buck stops there. You create your own. And you, you create it with other people. And it's, I feel like sometimes black people don't know, they're incurious or don't know how to ask the right questions. Ask someone because you will ultimately find a way in a path. You just have to be creative with it. Do you not agree? No, I definitely agree. Because I'm a, I'm a testament of that. I'm a testament of just having ideas and, you know, bring them into fruition and, and get a monetary gains from it. I turned a lot of my ideas into my job, you know what I mean? That's right. So, so, but, but that means that people are going to have to be patient if you're looking for the quick turnaround in the dollar, it's not going to happen. You're also going to have to learn to sit with a little bit of discomfort and ambiguity because you're not always going to have the answer right away. But that causes a lot of tension for people. And so instead of waiting and waiting for their dream or idea to unfold and come to fruition, they do what's easy and comfortable. Hello? Yeah, I agree. And so we just need to remind people to, to sit a little bit with the discomfort. It may feel like the earth is going to swallow you up, but it's not going to kill you. It is not. And that's how I feel, you know, since I've been in here. I meet a lot of people, a lot of officers, and people say things. They be like, yo, man, like, like you, you always got a good spirit, good energy. And I'm like, yo, you know, one thing I've learned, you know, the serenity prayer is one of my favorite prayers. And, you know, mm. I've learned to accept the things I cannot change. So when you can't change something at the moment, you know, thinking about it or overthinking it, you know, or just break you down. So I don't focus on the things I can't change. I focus on the things I can change. And I'm sure I execute my plans. Right. And that takes discipline. It takes wherewithal um, and, and resilience. And some people don't necessarily have that. And, but, and they also don't have the belief, Daryl, that there are a lot of things within their control. Because there are. If we spent a lot less 
time trying to look cute for the gram and Facebook and utilize those moments to do some research. I mean, like at the library, not a Google search because that's not research. Then you can figure things out. We have the capacity to do that. It's whether or not we have the will or drive or desire. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is that look at everybody, the most, most of the people are right now walking around with smartphones. The thing is, is that the information is in your hand and people still won't seek it. Like, I talk to people, I watch the news so much in here that I'll tell people what's going on in the news and they're like, you serious? And I'm like, are you serious? And I'm watching the news. And the thing is, is that they're getting the majority of their knowledge from memes on Facebook and stuff, oh. and it's like, it's misinformation and disinformation. Are you serious? Yeah. That and is... this is about, like, just pertinent information, like stuff that's really going on in the earth that could affect all of us, and they have no clue about it because they, if it's not going down the Instagram or Facebook feed, it's not paid attention to. Well, they're selling themselves short, but not believing that they can actually consume Real information, they have to have the, like, watered-down version of, on a meme, and that doesn't even mean anything. It's like, for instance, I met some dudes in here this year that never knew what Juneteenth was. But the <laughs> thing was is that I didn't know what Juneteenth was till about seven years ago also. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the schools, they give curriculums on what they want you to teach people. That curriculum pigeonholes you in that that's what you're going to learn. And you're not going to learn anything else outside of that unless you go learn it on your own. So it's like this is what the social media stuff is, too. It's so much misinformation. Like, look at this. This is one of the things that bothered me the most about the misinformation that's on social media. When the pandemic first hit, Mm -hmm. I recall somebody saying, yo, well, black people can't get it because I'm melanin. So I said, where did you see that at? <laughs> where did they read that? So they read this somewhere on Instagram or Facebook. Somebody with, with dreads that they think um, smart somewhere um, posted that, and somebody thought that somebody that was so proud to be black ran with it and was like, oh, yeah, our melanin is going to protect us from coronavirus so we can't catch it. And then four months later, the whole black community was trying to throw funerals. Yeah. And couldn't throw it because they had everything shut down. Yeah. And there are still people, Daryl, who do not believe that it is real, who are afraid that when you're injected with a vaccine, that you're injected with some kind of thing that's going to change your DNA or some kind of chip. All these just absolutely ludicrous things. If the NSA and the government wanted to find you, all they need to do is find your phone. They're not going to. That's so crazy. I told people, I said, listen, if they want to kill you through a vaccination, do you realize that the food has to go through the FDA first, the water? They got so mm-hmm. many ways they could do something to you. That's right. So why is the government is not going to conspire with, with, with a whole bunch of people that's not even their allies to do something? The whole entire world was affected by this. This wasn't like it was just some United States thing. See, that's mm-hmm. what I would have been nervous about it. If they said, mm-hmm. oh, it's just Europe and the United States, I'd have been like, oh, no, nah, I ain't taking nothing. Something mm-hmm. going on. <laughs> but it's not, and you still have black people who you cannot convince to take the vaccine. Which only... Uh, you know, what? 
You know, the sad thing about the black people that won't take the vaccine is this. The majority of black families live with a lot of people. It might be yes. a one-bedroom house, and it's three families. It might be a one-family house, and it's three families inside the house, three generations, a grandmother, a grandfather, the son, the mother, the daughters, the kids. So it's like y'all doing that, actually going home, killing your peoples, because you know they got diabetes and asthma and weak immune systems, and you giving right. them a disease that can kill them. You might be strong enough to maintain it, but your grandmother might not be. And so it's like for, for us specifically to take that as a joke is a joke within itself. But why is it not enough people are listening to this? Not enough people understand our perspective. They continue to act as though they are immune and that they're going to be okay. And then they then they get upset and worried or apologetic after the, after the fact. I don't know. What do they do in that situation, meaning the COs? Do they take him to another space? Does he get medicated? What? They do nothing at all. They'll call mental, like mental health came to see him twice. Mm-hmm. Um, they said he's good. And they send him back. And then he sits here and throws everything out of his cell, sleeps on the floor. He's walking around barefoot. They said nothing wrong with him. Well, I don't, I don't, just keep yourself safe. You know how, right? Yeah, yeah. I know how to kick, so I'm good. As, uh, let me ask you this, and you can not answer the question. Have you been able to keep up with a romantic interaction since you've been there? Are you with the same woman? Uh, huh? Romantic interactions? What's that? <laughs> I mean, like, love letters. Oh, well, you know, I guess some people love me. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, people people reach out to me, you know what I mean? I get a lot of love from people that I never met, and that that's, that shows me, like, that's that's more real love sometimes than some of the people I know. No, what about the young woman? What about the young woman that you were talking to the last time we spoke? Are you still with um, her? I, st- I still talk to her. I don't want to talk to her, but I still be talking to her. And why do you if you don't want to? Because, you know, I think people mentally grow apart sometimes. Got it. You know, I'm all the way in the, I'm all the way into being a grown man and wanting to, you know, better myself and, you know, just, just make things right and make things right for my peoples and everybody don't be on the same page. Some people just enthralled with just, you know, having fun. I, me truthfully, I just don't know nothing about how people can have fun if they like, you know, and this is why I realized that a lot of the problems that the homeless people was having was because they had uncomfortable living situations. You know what I mean? When I was, when I was, um, like very fucked up financially, I couldn't mm-hmm. have sex. My penis wouldn't work. Okay. I just wasn't mentally there where I could have sex. And when I got a couple more dollars, I was, I, I was able to have sex. And that's when I realized that like, yo, my brain just was not allowing me to get horny, period. Mm-hmm. Your drive was gone, your libido. Yeah, the libido did not exist whatsoever. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people in our community are too horny, and when things ain't going right in their life. What? If you're one argument away from being homeless, right, 
Yeah. You could argue with somebody today and end up homeless, you probably shouldn't be having sex. Because? Because, because you might have sex and end up pregnant, or um. he might have sex and end up getting someone pregnant. And the thing is, you don't actually have a comfortable, sturdy living situation in the first place. And now you're having sex where you can reproduce and have somebody else living uncomfortable in this world. And you're already not comfortable. I feel like if, I blame a lot of things on women because I think women are the most powerful creatures on earth. So I used to talk a lot about women on Twitter, and a lot of women would think I was bashing them when I was actually trying to uplift them and show them their power. Because women control us. So no, I feel like don't. if women had... Yes, you. Yes, you guys do. If women, if women, so if women actually came with the form that says, if you don't have this, this, that, and the third, and I'm not talking about nothing material, you know mm. what I mean? Certain things might might be material because they want to make sure you got somewhere comfortable to have sex in and make sure it's not your grandmother's house. They have to put a pillow over your head so you don't moan too loud and disturb the grandmother. But. If they actually told certain men, yo, listen, this is what you got to do in order to get with me, men would do it. But because they know that they can be broke and they can have a woman take care of themselves, take care of them, I mean, and there's a lot of women out there who are so not happy that they're willing to just take on a stepson. They're willing to have a, a, a man in their life that they just take care of just because they know he's going to be home all day on the couch. Uh, but what you they don't talking care about? if he has no ambition. Okay, so what you're talking about and what I talk to my patients about, both women and men, is having a list of expectations for the relationship, not for the person itself, right? This is what I expect for the relationship. I expect clear and clear communication. I expect reciprocity. I expect that you're going to be loyal. I expect that you're going to have my back. And for some, I expect that you're going to die for me, Right? that you're always going to do your best, you know the four agreements, all those things. If you don't have that, how do you expect that the relationship's going to work? And you're right. Women do wield a lot of power, but if they have a low self-worth, you have one then, minute left. then they are going to take men on that are not, not worthy and get okay. themselves in situations and, and be okay with being pregnant and housing insecure and financially insecure, that's about how they feel about themselves. Yeah. But if it takes a village to raise a kid, you know what I mean, and you still a kid, and you out here being sexually active, I don't think that's safe. No, it's not. But I have to tell you, if men don't want to have babies, then you need to wear a condom because if you don't wear a condom, it is ultimately the woman's body and her choice. And she may not make a choice that you agree with. But that's the L you're going to have to take. (laughs) (laughs) What if it's summertime and you don't have AC? Thank you. I'm still wondering why it is that the hot weather means that you cannot use a condom. It's going to cause a lot of sweating. <laughs> no right, way. Who puts a raincoat on if it's not raining? <laughs> someone that doesn't want to get someone pregnant. That's, that's who does it. 
That is who does it. And instead of doing it in a hot, un-AC'd house, do it on a beach, in the water, in a pool, in a park. Under the project sprinklers. (laughs) (laughs) Even there. be, Be creative. There are ways around it. Please, I implore you, and I implore all black women and men, because if you're not ready to have a child, don't do it, because they deserve all of your time, attention, and resources. And if you can't give that to yourself, then you most certainly cannot give it to another being. I agree. I agree. I understand. But, see, I'm from Honduras, and my pullout game is different. (laughs) (laughs) You got (laughs) So it's it's a Latinx. Every, everybody's not from La Saint, but this is only a heart you can learn in it. So I, am so I don't going. recommend it for everyone else. But. So just can you just say with me, please use the condom, everyone? Because there are strains of chlamydia that are uh, antibiotic resistant. There's things that you can chlamydia get. Chlamydia still exists? Yes, it does. I had a patient that got it recently after a dick appointment. Yes. Yes. Wow. So. I, I've, I've been wanting to speak to you for a minute because, as like I said, I've been reaching out to, like, mental health, and there's just nobody to talk to. And I, what I realized with doing the podcast was that the podcast was therapy for me because I was able to talk. And yeah. I don't talk that much, you know what I mean, outside of it. Like, you know, maybe with my immediate friends, but besides that, people don't get much conversation out of me. And, and I you, feel like I hold a lot of stuff in that I be needing to release. Right, and you also have a great mind. I've admired and respected that since the first day that I met you. Hold on, hold on. Hold okay. Fucking, fucking idiot. Yeah. He's still having a hard time. Yeah, he just had his drawers down just now. Okay, so what I would like for you to do um, when our call ends is try to be more compassionate with him because, yes, he's responding to your yelling at him, but I think he probably would benefit from a more gentle conversation. Nah, he's he's like, I'm like the only person that can actually talk to him. Like, if I wasn't here, Mm -hmm. he probably would have got jumped and beat up already. But, like, you know, I understand when people are going through certain things, so I'm not going to kick somebody when they're down, you know what I mean? Okay, like, I apologize. I was very cool with him before he ever started acting crazy, so I'm not going to, like, abandon him now, you know what I mean? Yeah. But this is also jail. You just can't be walking around naked. Somebody actually might want something to do with your nakedness. Yeah, you got to be safe. These dudes are definitely sexually active. Man. All the more reason to use condoms, right? Oh, they got the good. I don't know what they're using in here. Oh, gosh. But... So, no, so, so, um, can you think about a few things that you would like for us to work on and discuss for next time? Okay, thank you. Okay. Have a good week. As best you can, remember the imagery and the grass. Thank you. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Have a good day. The caller has hung up.